I'd like to welcome everyone to the Modern Woodworks Association. Tonight, I'm going to be playing the part of co-host. We're missing our normal uh, MC of Tom Iovino. And I'm Diami of penultimatewoodshop.com. I'm here with Mr. Christopher Adkins of highrockwoodworking.com. And tonight we have a special guest, Mr. Asa Christiana, the editor of Fine Woodworking Magazine. So, Asa, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for having me on. I'm really uh, excited at the opportunity to talk with you guys and talk about Fine Woodworking Live. Oh, you're quite welcome. We're excited to talk about it, too. Um, but before I get into the, the actual questioning of Asa and the interrogation we're going to give him, I just want to mention to everyone that uh, the questions we've come up with are based on the interview that Asa did with, uh, with Matt at Matt's Basement Workshop a couple weeks ago. So while the basics we're going to kind of cover, I'm going to try not to cover too much of, of what Matt and Asa discussed. So before, after you listen to this, I would strongly recommend you go to mattsbasementworkshop.com. If you do search the term Asa, A-S-A, uh, it'll come up as the first result, and you can listen to that interview. That was a very good interview going into a lot of the details of uh, fine woodworking live, and while hopefully we'll have some complimentary details, I'm going to say that on an event of this scope, it's going to be worth listening to both interviews. Asa um, is a great keyword because it's such a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when I typed it into Skype, I came up with a bunch of people from Sweden. Yeah, yeah, actually, yep, that's true. And there's, I think it might be a woman's name over there. I'm not sure though. Were they dudes or were they ladies? They were. Uh, I'm going to. They were all. Manly men. We'll say they're all manly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, moving on. Uh, we're here tonight mostly to talk about the Fine Woodworking Live event. So, Asa, for any of our listeners who have been living under a rock for the past couple of months, could you describe briefly what Fine Woodworking Live is? Fine Woodworking Live is our first ever live event, uh, or you could call it a conference. Um, it's a three-day uh, three-and-a-half-day conference in um, New York, slightly upstate New York, a couple hours north of the city. And um, it's our first ever time to get people together and um, kind of do it, a version of the magazine, but do it live and um, with a lot of uh, just people making new friends, but also building skills, you know, the same way you do by reading the magazine and watching our videos online. So, um, But it, we're super excited. We have all kinds of things in store, and uh, we hope this is going to be one of many. Well, that's that's great. Um, so, in addition to hanging out with our friends, learning woodworking, what what are the objectives of Fine Working Live for uh, for Fine Woodworking, the magazine? You know, what kind of metrics are you measuring? What are you looking to accomplish with the event? What what would make this a successful event from your perspective? Well, we want to fill it up, of course. You know, there it's a uh, it's three hundred. The capacity is 300, um, so it's more of an intimate event. We really went to school on this. We, um, you know, just to pull back a little bit, the the name. I talked a little bit about this with Matt on Matt's basement workshop, uh, woodshop. But um, the name Fine Woodworking Live says a lot. It's kind of an extension of Fine Woodworking, but live, obviously. So we we. We wanted it to be skill building, and we really wanted to over deliver the same way we do with the magazine. It's like every photo has an impact and carries information and is inspiring. And the same thing with our video and our, our videos, our video workshops online and our website and everything we do, we kind of want to over deliver. So it has that sort of taunt and press fine woodworking quality about it. So we went to school on every other event we've been to, what Pop Wood is doing, what 
what we've co-sponsored down at Colonial Williamsburg. And we came up with more, at least this first time around, um, more of an intimate event where people are going to get a lot of individual attention, smaller class sizes, and um, just a nice sense of familiarity and, and personality about the whole thing. Um, and so for us, a successful event would be getting close to 300 people there and um, also having everybody have a good time and and love it and and you know and, and walk away feeling like uh, they made some friends and met some of the folks that they've looked up to maybe in the magazine and learned a lot that's probably always our main objective is to show everybody that doing great work is within reach okay that's that's great if I could narrow that down so that's having people come having them enjoy themselves and having them learn things you you i should have just said that (laughs) that's a great goal so one thing ace i mean you guys i know you guys have what has it been 13 years i guess you guys have done the colonial williamsburg uh right so what have you picked up i mean obviously from all that time doing that you you've picked up a lot of kind of what you wanted to put into this or what you've seen from that what do you think from that experience right there that you've picked up that that you're trying to transfer over into this that's a really good question uh is it christopher or chris or what is it you can just go by chris chris good i like that better no no need to to say no no need to go formal on it (laughs) it's hard to go three syllables no it's Um, too much it is it's too much um, no, we, that's a really good question and it's perceptive because we are a lot more like, um, going to be a lot more like uh, a Colonial Williamsburg's event than we are more of the conference style events that um, some other organizations have had, Woodworking in America. Um, it's kind of a hybrid, actually. Um, you know, I, I've also been to the Furniture Society uh, events. Those are great, too. Um, this, what we learned uh, from Colonial Williamsburg is that um, that intimate size works really well. People see each other again and again. They all go th- on a journey together. So a big part, uh, oh, also that the that the location matters a lot, that it's such a charming location. And when we scouted locations, you know, Colonial Williamsburg is, when we scouted locations, we really looked for that same sort of charm. And we think we found it in SUNY New Paltz. It's really a beautiful little campus. Um, with a brand new fine arts building and a brand new student center that's going to be hosting our event. But um, part of our event, just like it, part of our event is like Colonial Williamsburg e- event, where in Colonial Williamsburg, you sit in a kind of a plush auditorium and you all sit together, all however many, 250 people through the whole presentation. And there's close up cameras on the action and you have a lot of chance to holler out questions. So there's a lot, there's a big aspect of that at Final Working Live where on the on day one and day two, at least part of the day, people will break into groups and all rotate through the same six sessions. So there's a portion of our event where you're gonna rotate through the same six sessions um, and all be on the same journey together. Uh, also the morning, uh, Friday and Saturday morning, there's a big, all group, all 300 people in one room, group session at the beginning of each day. So that stuff is going to be shared by everyone. Um, Everyone will go on that same trip together. And then uh, on Sunday, that's our elective day. So that's pretty different from um, Colonial Williamsburg. And that is a day where really you pick them. And when you you go to 
findwoodworkinglive.com or fwwlive.com to learn about the event and register, um, you will also be asked to pick your electives for Sunday. Right. That was actually a question I had much later on is about picking electives. I am embarrassed to say I don't remember what I picked for electives. You're, but, you're uh, showing up, and that's the main thing. And we, by the <laughs> yes. way, we have a little plan to get together, I, I, if I remember right. Right, We're going to have a beer on Thursday night. We are absolutely going to do that. We haven't officially announced anything, and I'm still working on squaring away the, the locale. And Matt Kenny has actually been very helpful in tracking down some local bars in New Pulse. Uh, right, but now we it's still- just me. right now it's just me and you, but we'll add to it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are definitely going to have a, uh, a, a little get-together on Thursday night after, uh, after everyone registers. Cool. Um, but to get, uh, to get back to these formal questions we have for you, um, yeah. <laughs> who, target attendees of, of Fine Woodworking Live, is it as simple as to say readers of the magazine or are you looking yes, to target a particular every, subset yeah. of those readers? No, I mean, it's, it's anyone who, who uh, wants to show up. The, the, the curriculum, the sort of the kinds of things we'll be covering during the day are sort of we formulated them to appeal just like the magazine does to a broad range of skill levels and interests. You've got a session on design where people are going to, all the presenters are going to get up and show their worst pieces and their best pieces and talk about what went wrong and what went right. It's called the good, bad, and the ugly. And, you know, everyone can enjoy that. Um, some of the sessions that you'll rotate through, the sort of um, the, the stuff on the first couple of days I was talking about, stuff everyone takes, that stuff is really meat and potatoes, like how to improve at sharpening and, um, uh, five ways to bend wood and, uh, you know, I don't have the list right exactly in front of me, but, um, it's real all core fundamental stuff that we think everyone, uh, from the most beginner woodworker to the most advanced will be able to walk out of there and get something out of, uh, those, uh, those core classes that we're calling them core classes. That's my favorite term of the moment. <laughs> so it's everybody. The answer is everybody. There's no... Uh, just like the magazine, it's designed for it to cast as wide a net as we possibly can, because we're our our whole mission is to empower people and give them what they need to be better woodworkers and make build better stuff. You know, that's in the fine woodworking life isn't that different, except that it's getting us all together, shoulder to shoulder and face to face, and 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 there's uh, you know just a chance to really have fun. There's a lot of fun things with Fine Woodworking Live as well. Like, I don't know if it's on uh, the website yet, but Friday night is going to be a music jam band sort of slash game night where we're going to meet down in the game room in the student center and some people can shoot pool, but we're also going to bring a bunch of amplifiers and guitars and basses and whoever wants to bring musical instruments and wants to get up and play we're just, and we'll have a bar going there. So we're doing a lot of things. We have the banquet. Um, this is, I'm probably jumping ahead on some of your questions, but the banquet <laughs> is Saturday night. And that's a Nick Offerman from NBC, uh, NBC's Parks and Rec. He does this traveling road show at colleges all around the country. He's a comic actor that's been in the magazine. He's right. going to do a woodworking version of that on, at the banquet on Saturday night. So I can't wait. I mean, there's so many cool things that, you know, the magazine, 
uh, is pretty much like practical, practical, practical. And, and this event is about sort of letting our hair down and, and having some fun. That, that's great. And one thing I, I wanted to kind of just touch on what you kind of started out with there just a second and just just a question to kind of narrow that down a little is is you had mentioned that that all of the classes and stuff like that were for different skill levels and stuff what do, do you think that each and each individual class because from what i understand is it for the first two days you you kind of have a curriculum that you go through and everybody kind of rotates through those classes is, is that right? right that's right so is each one of those classes, do they touch on basically from the basic up to the advanced skill level so that each person, no matter what their skill level, in each class they're going to get basic stuff and and kind of the, the advanced? Absolutely. And let's say that maybe you're completely happy with um, your finishing and you, you don't need another bit of advice on finishing or another bit of advice on sharpening. Well, that class that's Part of the core curriculum it's only an hour and a quarter and i'll and i'll bet you're still going to pick up something in there right. that'll make you a better woodworker and that'll that you'll take away with you um we really design those things to be like like meatballs we call them at the magazine and meatball is kind of the food that everybody likes you could have it in every meal <laughs> so um that that's what that kind of stuff is and the teachers we picked are all some of the country's best teachers like steve latta you know, Garrett Hack, Chris Bexford, Michael Fortune, um, and some of our own people like Mike Pekovich, um, and I could go on and on, Phil Lowe. These are all people who have taught to every skill level, and so they're really good at doing just that. Um, you know, there will, in any core curriculum, of course, there may be moments where you're like, sure. um, you know, I know that already, just like with the magazine. But then you sort of pat yourself on the back and you feel smart and smarter right. than everybody else. <laughs> right, right. So they'll either be very instructive or an ego boost. <laughs> exactly. It's a win-win. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we're taking a little bit of a chance having a core curriculum that everyone rotates through. But I think that'll allow people to all talk about the same stuff and be like, whoa, did you understand this? Or did you, oh, did you catch that? That was amazing. Or, you know... It's kind of, you know, I want everyone who goes to this, I think, I hope, will come away feeling like, wow, I was at the first ever one. And I want, I, I like that idea that there's a feeling of um, camaraderie, you know, uh, about the whole thing. No, and I, and I th exactly. I mean, I think camaraderie is, is a huge thing with, with a lot of us and stuff. I mean, that's, that's kind of what our group's all about is camaraderie and stuff. So that's a great. Cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but like, like I was going to say, they, I meant to say anyway that uh, that we're you know that's one way to go. We're we're open to feedback, just like with the magazine and the website and everything. We're always trying to improve it. So we'll be surveying folks for people who want to fill out a quick short survey on site, and we'll be making adjustments for the next year and and how we can improve it. Always be improving. And so if people say you know what I want it all to be electives, and that's an overwhelming. I doubt that'll happen, but if that's what we hear, that's what we'll do. And as a first event, I think you're, at least based on the way it's set up, between the all, uh, I'm not sure what you're calling the morning events, but the, the everyone sits together for the morning lecture, and then you have the core classes, and then the yeah. electives at the end, you're kind of getting a little bit of every type of format you could have. It's a nice hybrid, so hopefully Amen. the hybrid itself works, but even if it doesn't, you're exposing people 
to the different formats. So you'll, you should get some good feedback into, well, this one worked, this one didn't. So you should be able to move forward in, in the direction people want. You're making me sound smarter than I really am, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You've, you've touched on the beauty of SUNY New Pools. Um, yeah. And as a, as a New Yorker myself, I'm familiar with it. It was actually a college I looked at. Um, but talk to us about why New Pools is the perfect place to have a conference like this. Well, we chose it because, like I said, that student center and with the big glass entrance and it's so nice inside and they could do great catering for the event. And, um, you know, we, we looked at about 10 places up and down the eastern seaboard. We focused on the east first because that would make it easier for a lot of our presenters and people to get there. Also, there's a great concentration of woodworkers in the east. So for this very first time, we, we were focused on, like I said, like the northeast or something that. So New Paltz is perfect because um, for a whole bunch of reasons. One is that you can you could drive there. Everyone from Philadelphia to Maine could pull off a drive to New Paltz, New York. So mm -hmm. that's really great. And then also it's a cool kind of funky town with lots of hiking and outdoorsy stuff and beautiful scenery and shops and museums and things like that. So if people want to bring along a spouse, that's something – I really thought was is great about Colonial Williamsburg, so we wanted an element of that as well. Okay, you've you've made allusions to the shop space they have there. What yeah. kind of workshop do they have at New Pools? They have a really beautiful, spacious workshop. We'll be getting out there only on the last day because it's not really set up for classes. So the types of things okay. we're going to do out there, you know, there isn't much about this conference anyway that's hands on because once you go hands on. You're down to like 10 people at workbenches. You know, that's a whole different thing. This is designed, you know, that's that's what you go take classes at North Bennett or Mark Adams or something like that for. But um, so we there is one hands-on session with Michael Dunbar that's going to be um, a design session. That's one of the electives where um, he's going to use actually uh, kind of a, what do they call it, foam core, that kind of whiteboard and paper and scissors and hot glue and stuff and show everybody how you can use those uh, to chop up pieces and, and come up with pieces of furniture and furniture designs you, you could never imagine before and unlock your inner designer, Michael says. But okay. um, the, we're using the shop on the elective day for, for some things where people are going to, like I said, that, that, they do have a little sort of a workshop room where we're going to do the Michael Fortune design session. But uh, mostly what's going on out there is some things where you'll more – cluster around a machine and just look on um, as somebody shows you how to take apart and rehab uh, your uh, table saw, get it working right, or uh, Steve Latta's going to, or Raleigh Johnson's going to do that, and Michael Fortune's going to show you his sort of uh, surefire, uh, make any bandsaw um, sing and cut like you can't even believe, even the cheapest uh, knockoff bandsaw, he can get yours working great. And that's sort of like a cluster around it in the shop kind of thing. But um, also, uh, Steve Ladd will be showing you some of his, speaking of advanced, some of his more advanced table saw tricks. And that's kind of everybody in that group, 12 to 15 people cluster around a table saw to watch him uh, do his thing and be able to uh, throw questions at him and really witness it close up. But um, So that's going on in the shop. But I wanted to mention that during all the core classes, People will be up in front of you with the same kind of thing they do at Williamsburg, which I love, which is 
close-up cameras projecting the action on a big screen. So even if you're in a class of 50 people, you'll be able to look up and feel like you're, you know, uh, 12 inches away from the action. Okay. That, so that's, that's, that's nice because on a big room like that, you can lose what's going on on the workbench itself. So much of woodworking happens in like a four-inch space. So um, you kind of have to have that. And again, we want to have like a top-notch event and not have anybody feel like, you know, we, we tried to cross every T and dot every I. As, as an attendee of past events, I, I, will, uh, I will just say that it's important to have people doing that with the camera work who, though not necessarily expert, are, understand the, the job they're tasked with and know what they need to film because I've been in lectures like that where the person working the camera doesn't understand w what they're supposed to be showing people and oh, it can ruin an otherwise good lecture. I know, exactly. And that's something that was a big concern for us. So every single person running a camera is someone who works for us. So they know enough about woodworking uh, to know uh, what's important to show. That, by the way, that's one of the reasons why we generally cannot use author photos and why um, uh, right. one reason we can't use, I mean, authors kind of know what they want to show, but I actually misspoke. The problem with author photos is that they're often not in the picture or they're not well lit or whatever. But I meant to say, that's why we don't use pro photographers and just send a photographer like Tiami's going to do an article and we just send a pro photographer. If they're not a woodworker, they don't know what to shoot. And it's the same thing with um, just sort of freelance videographers and freelance photogs. They, uh, they, we, it always has to be an editor or someone who knows woodworking. That's a really, really uh, key point. Um, no, and, and that's actually a, a question that I, uh, when I was, um, I came up with, with Diami and some of the other guys uh, to, to visit you guys uh, about a month or two ago. I'm sorry I wasn't there, I, by I know. the way, but I heard you guys you. had a good time. Oh, we had a great time. It was a very nice trip. So, uh, so it was nice. And, uh, and that was actually a question that I asked uh, Mike Pekovich was, was, you know, you know, a lot of us are bloggers and stuff. So one of the tough things is is taking photos uh, of yeah. our work and stuff. And yeah. you know, I, I can talk about it and I can you know do it, but photos. So that definitely the the video and 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 uh, photo component of it is definitely very important. And uh, you guys do a good job at it. We could teach you, Chris. No problem. We just need you to come up and work with us for in our office for about two months, and we'll 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 have you. Hey, don't, don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've we've talked about the core classes and the electives, um, yeah. and I bumbled over the name of the all-conference sessions, but I've subsequently looked it up. And Asa, could you talk to us about those all-conference sessions? I think those are going to start off Friday and Saturday in terms of yeah. all the attendees in a single room. Yeah, so when we were looking for venues, we, again, sort of learning from some other places, things we've what uh, events we've gone to in the past, we saw like Furniture Society and Colonial Williamsburg always um, have a, well, Colonial Williamsburg, just by its nature, has everybody in an auditorium, but uh, Furniture Society always picks venues where they could get everyone together at least a couple, at least a couple times during the event to all be together in the same room. So we were looking for, we ended up at the 300 person capacity and then started you know, as we were scouting around, that seemed to be the max that most places could handle in one room. And we really thought that that was important to give that sense of each day you sort of start everything together and 
just that sense that this is, I don't know, I liked it. When, I, I've, let, I've really enjoyed that when I've gone to the Furniture Society, that at least some of the sessions, it's everybody all together and you get to look around and see everybody. And I don't know, it's just that, again, that feeling of togetherness. Okay. What, what topics are they going to cover in the old conference sessions? Right. The, the topics. Maybe that's what you were really asking. And I went off <laughs> no, no. I want, I, the community, I think, you know, we're, we're from Modern Woodworkers Association. The community is as important as everything else. So I think that getting all the attendees together for a common event is going to hopefully be an important part of the conference. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks. You bailed me out there. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the topics are the day, the first day, it's going to be uh, John Binns and the guy who does our back covers and is and was a, was with the magazine for years and then went to do, go freelance for about twelve years and do book work and write books and everything. He's back on staff now. He's the guy who's done those back covers and how they did it and those mm -hmm. audio slideshows that go with the back covers and he's uh, amazing in, in the sense that I don't think there's anyone on the planet who knows more about what's happening with custom high-end uh, woodworking artists right now, you know, the state of the craft. And so he's going to do a presentation on just that, the state of the craft, and sort of talk about some of the people who are working today and share some stories about um, people, some of the, you know, the amazing people he's met uh, he, uh, along the way. Um, and... And, and also sum up where our craft is today. You know, we're at a really interesting time where some of the the real fathers of the craft have passed away, like Sam Maloof and James Krenoff, and um, he's going to talk about the more sobering aspects of what's going on with our craft, but also the real some real inspiration uh, on people who are, are doing just amazing work, amazing people doing amazing work. So that's the first one. And then the second one, on the one on Saturday, is that one I was telling you about, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is I got everyone, even our most uh, hesitant presenters, I got every single one of them to agree to come up and show some of their worst uh, work. Um, so because the magazine, again, we're letting our hair down, so the magazine usually doesn't do that. It's like we show you everything that's right about furniture, but we don't show you all the the things that need to be taken out back or burnt or hidden or <laughs> hid in the basement or, you know, that stuff that you like give to a relative and you never want to see again. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. So okay. that one, that's what that's about. It's kind of a design discussion. They're also going to show some of the stuff that they've, uh, they've been, that they're the proudest of and talk about why, like, what is it about the piece that they think really works? What did they do right? And I'll host that and I'll keep it moving and keep it lively and, and get them up 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 to the podium and down and it I think that's going to be really fun. It's, it's, it sounds it. And that's on Friday Saturday and both of yeah. those days they're followed by the core classes is that right? That's right. The rest of the day yeah. you'll you'll have three of your six core classes that you're rotating through. Okay, and then Sunday is the day for electives. That's it. Okay. When when we're being broken up when the 300 attendees are being broken up into core classes um as a member of the group of rowdy kids that has sat in the back of many lectures and not necessarily been rude, but, but sent notes to each other and, and made sm sl snide comments, um, <laughs> how are we going to whack up into those groups is, is a question of mine. You know, are, are we just going to kind of people randomly gra gravitate together or are you going to strictly enforce that it's 50 people per group? Um, are we going to really throw numbers out of a hat? 
That's a really great question. Um, I was actually thinking that we would make our registration process, like put little hidden psychological questions in there. So, <laughs> so that way you could find out who the troublemakers are and stick them all Club with them. each other. So they don't bother everybody else. You know how just a couple <laughs> bad apples can ruin the whole class. That's right. So, oh, yeah. Or make it. <laughs> or make it. Yeah. So but instead of doing that, um, I think your idea is better. Um, no, we, we didn't really have a plan for that. I think it was going to be random. But now it makes me think that we should allow folks to make requests for the folks they'd like to travel around with. So I'm actually going to go into work tomorrow and talk about how we could pull that off for sure. Well, that'd be great. That'd be great. And I, I wouldn't want that to make, you know, one group 75 and another group 20. Um, but as long as they stay somewhat balanced, you know, again, because so much of this is reconnecting with people, you know, sp sp sitting in the lecture with the people, you know, allows you to get a lot more out of it. Yeah, that's cool. As long as you guys don't talk too much. <laughs> no, we actually no, we, sit there and we tweet to each other. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. No, whatever you want to do is fine. Um, before I forget, I want to say one thing about the electives, and that is that it's a real good reason to register early because there is limited capacity in some of the stuff out in the shop, like because you're clustering around machines. Um, right. So if you really feel strongly about getting into one of those sessions on with Michael Fortune on the bandsaw or, or, uh, or, or Phil Lowe carving a ball and claw foot or whatever it is, um, some of those are going to be super popular. So registering early is going to get you your dibs and druthers. Um, also, I have to do the shameless plug of there's an early bird special where before June 1st, I think it is, you save $50 off the conference registration. So just got to mention that too. Oh, absolutely. No, I have it printed out somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's the first. It's, it's $399.95, and then it increases to the standard price of $449.95. And that you does not include the banquet great. ticket. Yeah, the um, banquet... The banquet is is separate. People can c come to that uh, or not. I hope. I think that most people will. So far, most of the people who have registered um, are signing up for the banquet. But uh, what we were a little afraid of the banquet capacity is only about two eighty. Um, so we were a little bit afraid of uh, that we'd have too many people sign up, and some people at the end wouldn't be able to get the banquet and wanted the banquet. But it, oh. the, you know, because I thought too many would sign up in the sense that people would bring spouses along and it would fill up to more like 400 people would want it. But it's tracking along pretty evenly. So that's a good sign that everyone who wants to come to the banquet uh, will be able to get a ticket. And that's going to be a really nice meal. Oh, by the way, you know, we're going to provide breakfast and food at the breaks and uh, and then uh, lunch and dinner on your own. I got to mention that, too. Oh, OK. Yeah, well, that's great. One thing I did, I did want to ask on, because you kind of touched on that there, that that the spouses and stuff could come to the banquets, and and I think I kind of heard you mention this with Matt a little bit, but in the area, I mean that that's one for myself. I can tell you, my wife always likes to go on trips like that with me, so she can kind of explore the areas. And I mean, is that one of the things with the area that that you talked about? There's quite a bit to do around there. Or? Yeah, if you go on findwoodworkinglive.com or fwwlive, notice how I keep working that in there. Uh, Go for it. That's great. Do you do this for a living? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually, this, you know, chatterboxing wasn't part of what I came to the magazine for, but I'm comfortable enough doing it. I used to be a teacher for a long time before I was a journalist, so um, I'm comfy with it, but it's, it is still sort of new to me, all this uh, 
<laughs> you know, mention the website, mention the website and being in videos and all of that, you know, it's a little bit weird, but we're all getting used to it. But um, no, if you go on the website um, for the event, uh, there's a whole listing of great stuff to do in the local area and with links. And uh, I believe there are links. I think every single one of those things to do is a link. So um, there's a lot right there. Just every, I think more than you could fit into the weekend. Great. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little town. Um, it's it's a. I don't know if many people listening are going to know what a stereotypical Hudson Valley town is, but yeah. if there is one, it's New Pulse. Um, yeah, if you've never if you've never been to the Hudson Valley in New York, that's where the Hudson Valley you know painters that whole school of paint painting and art came from, and it's just a really picturesque place with mountain ridges, and it's beautiful. Nice. This is a bit of a non sequitur, and it's going to be irrelevant to all of our listeners, but I'm afraid they'll have to indulge me. Is we had an expression in high school that nothing <laughs> is shiny in New Pauls except your future. <laughs> and I still argue that that sums up the town, but we'll move on. Yeah, that's good. Well, that, that, it's actually not true anymore because the glass entranceway to the student center is really shiny. <laughs> that is true. The last time I was in New Pauls, it was dominated by typical SUNY concrete archite- architecture. Yes. But to move on to friendlier things, such as the marketplace, uh, I understand now, especially based on your conversation with Matt, that there is going to be a, a fairly limited marketplace. Yeah, and, a small, uh, a small um, marketplace where, again, it's sort of like really high-quality folks. The one person that's that de- one group that's definitely going to be there is uh, Lee Nielsen, and we were looking for, again, in the sort of nature of the whole event, it, in the idea that it's learning and there's not, it's not really a hard sell event. It's it, in that sense of like having the guy there with the microphone on and selling you the jig that does everything. But for mm-hmm. the guy that I always try to avoid, like I said with Matt, that who tries to give you a foot massage, um, <laughs> uh, that's just a little too weird for me at a, at a, at a woodworking event. But, um, uh, that we went with people who were going to bring some content to the game. So, that's what Lee Nielsen does really well is um, they let their products sort of sell themselves and they they show you how to set them up, how to use them. You know, you got great people like Dana Pachalski, who you guys have probably seen at events. And uh, and so we were look we're looking for vendors like that. We've got a few lined up. One I can say for sure is Lee Nielsen, but there's probably going to be four to five, I would say, vendors there. It's not a heavy vendor event. That's um, that's a part of it, but not the main focus. Okay. Well, that's good, and especially because of the way you're, you've got people moving around in these classes, I think that people aren't going to you know, come to the event and then spend the entire weekend in the marketplace. You're going to be in classes and going to the core classes and, uh, and the all-campus things and, and moving around like that. So you won't have so much time to spend in the marketplace as you can in a more conference-style event. Yeah, we, were, we may change it in the future, but with... Uh you know, it's it's a different type of event. It's not like we're trying to get 2,000 people into a conference center and um, they kind of mill around. It, it's not that kind of a thing. It's more of a, a smaller group of folks. Um, yeah, it's just a different, it's a different deal. And we, it, you know, we may change it in the future, but we at least thought going in that um, there is a lot of places to go to a vendor marketplace. The woodworking shows travel all around the country. Um, I think woodworking in America has a big marketplace. Um, there's, you know, those, we didn't think that was going to add a huge amount of value, but you know, maybe we're, 
we're wrong and we'll and people will tell us that but I don't know. I mean, from from myself personally, I, I think that a smaller uh, group of of more specialized, I think it's better. I like that idea. You know, matter of fact, we were we uh, we had a modern woodworkers uh, um, booth at one of the the shows that came here to Atlanta a few weeks ago, and 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 you know, I kept kind of joking because some of the guys that 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 do those you know the the barkers and stuff and and i kept going the whole time the whole weekend i kept going it slices it dices because yeah. you know you get that that routine and stuff and 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 really i enjoy some of the smaller vendors that are that are more customized type stuff that you know you can get a little more intimate with so i i kind of like that idea of having a smaller smaller venue yeah and really high quality products that- right quality experience you know that and and like i said people who are going to bring some content to the game not just the hard sell that's kind of part of it so even that you can spend time out there and ask them really you know questions about their products and 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 really spend some time with their technical guys and um, i think it's going to feel like the rest of the event We've kind of touched on this, and I don't mean to be jumping back and forth between topics, but for some reason this free-flowing discussion hasn't followed the rigidity of the <laughs> questions I wrote down. Um, but to get back to the the demonstrations, I think that's what you said you wanted to call them when you were talking with Matt, is they're more demonstrations than classes. Right. Um, but to, to talk about the demonstrations, uh, not to go into all of them, but yeah. are there one or two, either in the core or the um, electives, that you're particularly excited about? I, I, it's not. It's going to sound like BS, but I think we really crafted these things. We we worked really hard, and we will continue to work hard to make sure that every single one is going to be amazing. We've we've even had follow up meetings with all the guys, just like take us point by point through what you're going to talk about, just like we do with the articles in the magazine. Um, wow. But these are. All, I think they're all going to be great. I, I really do. But some of the ones that stand out uh, to me, I mean, just off the top of my head, you could pick them. But, uh, you know, you're going to get um, – Michael Fortune's going to show you five ways to bend wood in an hour and uh, 15 minutes. Um, that's going to be amazing. He's going to have the hot pipe torch going and laminating and um, all kinds of uh, steam bending going. Um you know, people struggle with finishing and they struggle with sharpening. You will, you can, it's impossible to attend this conference and walk away without knowing how to get your tools sh- as sharp as they need to be. Um, sh- maybe for some people, the first time they've ever really experienced sharp. The guy who's doing that is Mike Pekovich. He's our, probably our most talented woodworker on staff, and you've seen him in a lot of uh, video workshops. He has got it down to a science and um, it, anybody can do it. And it's the same thing with Mike Pekovich's finish, by the way, which was in the magazine recently. Um, this is a finish that you use like a oil varnish mix and mm-hmm. you, you'll never struggle with finishing again. And it works on 95% of your projects from small boxes to period pieces, to arts and crafts, to shaker, to whatever. Um, it's that sort of stuff that you're going to get. Um, and yeah, it is someone up in front of you demonstrating with the close-up cameras and stuff, but we're definitely going to do a lot of bringing people up and letting them try out the tools. Um, you know, Garrett Hack, there's another one. Five hand planes you can't live without, and, th- and then in parentheses, three more that, that are nice to have. Um, <laughs> uh, he is going to show you exactly how these five 
uh, hand planes work in this sort of beautiful conjunction um, all together from a guy who literally wrote the book on uh, hand tools. Um, so it's I could go on, but I'm, I'm going to stop. All right. Well, then let me follow up with, could you describe to me which is your favorite child? Uh, of my own kids? Yeah. Um, I well, like my older one better. <laughs> no, that's not that's not true. Uh, that's not true at all. They'll, they're going to kill me. It's the same no, no. I, I, I know, but after you know, I don't think you're trying to, to you know give us any uh, blow any smoke. But describing an event like this, when you're working so hard on all of the different classes, asking you to pick which is the best class, is yes. quite a question. I get you. I, I know you were talking about the classes, but I just felt like talking about my girls. I have two <laughs> girls who are um, 14 and 8, and there's a really healthy sibling rivalry there. So that favorite child thing is a very uh, prickly question around our house. I, my kids aren't old enough to realize that we have favorites, but uh, I do understand the sibling rivalry. Yes. Since uh, Chris and I are not the only bloggers who are going to be listening to this, I have a question about recordings in the event in the yeah. when we're in the classes will we be able to take photos and videos of the demonstrations and lectures i think absolutely i don't see why that's a problem um if you guys don't mind you both have my email address will you just email me that question and let me just confirm that just so i don't speak out of turn but i can't imagine this is about sharing info not filming this stuff and trying to turn it into um any kind of a video for that live events don't make for great videos. Um, there's just too much internet having now. Um, and so we're not going to be, we'll film a little bit of it just to show people how fun it was and, and help, you know, get them excited for next year. But um, yeah, no, rock on. I mean, we're going to have tons of handouts for people, um, even uh, little gizmos, little uh, Micah Pekovich is making his little scraper holder, 300 of them, out of wood <laughs> for every single person who shows up. Wow. <laughs> wow. Then I am definitely coming. <laughs> Come on. Just to that's get the right. scraper holder. That's no, it. That's definitely persuading me. Yeah. Come on, Chris. I'll pick you up at the airport again. All right. All right. Is there, other than reminding everyone to go to finewoodworkinglive.com and make sure they register now before the early bird special is up is there anything else you want to say to people about the event they said before we move on to other topics no uh, uh people can email us with any questions they have about the event it's it's uh fwwlive.com or findworkinglive.com um everything's on there for for uh, from lodging to uh like i said local fun things to do and everything about the event um but they can email us at the magazine and i believe there's a link on the site where you can email if you have any questions and and we're uh, the the woman uh, Joanne Maud who's running the event for us um, she's been calling people back individually just to say oh you didn't sign up for all your electives or you know just oh, wow. dealing with people's problems one by one um, so we're really giving a great really great in-house customer care on this and we want to make sure that um, all your needs are taken care of and by the way we have people coming to the conference from Israel, from Germany, and one other place I can't remember, but all points of the globe. Ari, is, Ari, is fine woodworking or Taunton in general? Oh, Brazil, Brazil. Oh, I Brazil. Think. Yes. Oh, that's great. Sorry. But no, <laughs> is fine woodworking or Taunton in general producing this whole thing in-house? Yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. Joanne, uh, who's running the event for us, is an outside consultant that we've hired um, because she has tons of event planning experience. So um, it's been great to get that outside blood. It's someone who's done tons of these and knows all the little things that if you haven't done them before, you can't possibly, you know, we really wanted to hit the ground running. So that was the idea. But but she's at our offices every week, you know, going over the fine details. And yes, it's absolutely an in-house uh, endeavor with, with that outside help, like I said. As a consumer of these types of shows, I'll say that I appreciate the fact that you basically threw everything out there at once saying, we're having a show. Here's what the show is. Here's how you buy tickets to the show. Um, I personally get a little frustrated when the details slowly bleed out and well here's the hotel package and two weeks later here's the events that are going to be and two weeks after that it's now it's going to go on sale and we're in an echo chamber but within the echo chamber of online woodworking it's a frenzy about well i've got my hotel rooms and i've got this and i've got that and i know people who've bought cross-country flights on airlines now and the the show tickets haven't gone on sale yet because the the different information gets kind of released piecemeal. So the fact that, that you've just put it all out there and let people you know, sign right up and understand everything they're getting into, I think is fantastic. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And we're trying to do everything like, like you know, with high quality, like we, like we try to do everything with the magazine and at the Taunton Press. But um, I also wanted to mention that if anyone's hearing this and they come to the event, make sure you find me and say that you, you, know, you heard it on this broadcast with the Modern Woodworkers and... Uh, and make sure that you pull me aside and show me uh, your pictures of your work or just have a beer or, or uh, play some music together or, or whatever it is. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. And, Asa, you know, that, that, we, we've kind of jumped back and forth a lot and stuff. And, and, and that kind of brings, brings back with, you know, the modern woodworkers and stuff. And, and we touched on this just slightly before we, we started recording on here. And, you know, we were, we were talking about kind of modern woodworkers and, and how we started and, and kind of what, you know, kind of what our purpose and stuff is, which is, which is to bring, you know, a lot of us guys that, that interact and stuff online and and through social networks like twitter and and things like that and google plus and and a lot of us there's a huge and, and growing woodworking community that comes together and shares so much information and and personally i mean i like you know taunton obviously you know with, with fine woodworking is always puts out great content and stuff and and you know and and it's noticeable that you guys have actually got out there and and started you know, interacting with people more through, through, you know, social networks, through blogs, through, you know, you're starting a podcast now. I mean, even coming on here with us and, and talking and stuff. Oh yeah. You know, it was, it was like I said to Matt on Matt's basement workshop, it was a blind spot for us for a while. Um, realizing how isolated people feel and realizing that they, f they felt like they wanted uh, to know who the editors were and have more experiences, you know, chance to get together. It's, it's really easy in-house for us. Um, we don't feel isolated at all at the magazine because we see each other all the time and every day we talk woodworking. We get to go out to all these shops constantly and all these shows and conferences. And it's really easy to forget how disconnected people feel. And it's been really great. The internet has, you know, the web and, and chat forums and blogging and everything else and then you know it has allowed people to form these associations and and um the it's really sad to me a few you know you, it doesn't happen as much anymore but people would say 
um, are you are the editors woodworkers? And we almost want to cry. It's like, <laughs> yeah, man, that's why we came to the magazine, and you know, uh, it's what we breathe every day. But um, because we got so caught up in just producing content, content, we sort of we 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 had a blind spot for a while. So um, we've, we're doing a whole bunch of things. The things you mentioned, we're getting our editors out on the road. We're letting people know when our main some of our most frequent authors are out on the road that that you know letting we have a blog that tells people who's out there and where you can meet them near you and we're doing this event and like you mentioned we've got shop talk live now which is uh, a podcast which you can find on itunes um every week or two every two weeks we get together in the shop and we take we answer reader questions we have on special guests um and also you've seen editors start to appear in a lot of videos um i do the start woodworking getting started in woodworking series and um uh, matt kenny's done a bunch of projects uh mike pekovich um we're putting we're you know we're we're, we're fixing that the uh, that sort of blind spot we had for a long time and realizing uh, how important this is and um this conference is a big part of it uh, i appreciate i'm glad that you guys appreciate it and uh I apologize for not doing some of this stuff sooner. No, and it, it, it's well, just a quick thing here. I was going to say, and when when you said that, a lot of people said, you know, that they didn't know that you guys were woodworkers, and that was actually a very curious thing. When when I was leaving to come up there, you know, I talked to a lot of people, and they said, you know, where are you going? What are you doing up there? And I said, well, you know, it's the shop, and that they, they actually have a shop, you know. People didn't believe that you guys actually had a shop up there at Fine Woodworking. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of our strengths is that I, I, we're never going to lose, like I said to Matt, we're never going to lose our core thing, which is um, shining a light and going out in, on, on, on the great, shining a light on the greatest woodworkers out there. Right. Um, and if, if we stayed in-house, it would be way cheaper. I mean, a lot of magazines stay in-house and they have the same five people mostly most of their content is from those same five people that is a lot cheaper to do but you don't get as rich an experience and basically you don't get as good information if i'm being honest with you sure. um so our core thing will always be to turn outward and take you into those shops all around north america and beyond but absolutely we're woodworkers and editors do articles from time to time and we have a really fantastic shop that you guys saw that we use all the time we invite authors in there to shoot their articles sometimes we do tool tests in there we make props for the magazine um as, you know so yeah for sure um we're woodworkers and woodworking is going strong at in newtown connecticut <laughs> yes it is <laughs> did you guys have fun i heard that uh that we did a, a demo for you um I think we set up some kind of a demo. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. We had a blast. Uh, yeah, we, we let uh, Mike and Matt both just gave us a, a talk on, on how they're efficient. And you were kind of going on to, um, you know, how uh, Mike Pekovic is, is a master of many skills. And he, the more I, I read of him and see of him, he's just uh, – he's. He's amazing how efficient he is right. in the shop, uh, you know, behind the table saw and with a plane and, and all these different things and – um, anything that, that Mike says, I'm certainly going to pay attention to because it's all about how to do it the right way, the quickest way. And it, it's just, I, I'm constantly dumbfounded by how efficient he is and the way he works. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm you sorry. guys enjoyed those demos. Yeah, how cool is it to have your art director 
uh, be your best woodworker, you know, <laughs> instead of right. someone who's just doing layouts and not really understanding the point. Mike knows Mike and I are kind of a tag team on all the content. He's not a traditional art director where they just kind of do window dressing. Um, he's amazing. He's a lot of the brains behind everything you see in the magazine. Right. He's also your uh, your co-host on Shop Talk Live, is he not? He is, yeah. And, uh, sometimes, and sometimes it'll be me and Matt Kenny, and sometimes it'll be Matt and Mike. We're switching it around, and we're going to have some. Uh, we've, we're starting to have some guests on there, and podcasts are kind of fun. It's I, I listen to them. Do you guys listen to podcasts in the shop when you're working? Most definitely. Yeah, and I, I, you're speaking to somebody. Who, I drive about thirty thousand miles a year in Long Island and New York City traffic for work. Oh my god! Um, so I devour audio content. So me too. Um, I love I'm, it. I'm very appreciative to have another audio woodworking podcast out there because right. um, this is my own situation. But I have unfortunately very little time to watch video and an abundance of time to consume audio. And I just find that too many woodworkers abandon audio for the the sex appeal of video. So I I'm very I, appreciative that Shop Talk Live is an audio podcast. Yeah, I you can find it on iTunes. Um, where there's two episodes uploaded. The first one, you know, we were sort of uh, getting through our technical glitches, but I stand by the second one. It's good, and the third <laughs> one's already recorded, and we're going to put it up next week. But um, yeah, I listen to them out in the shop because you know a lot of woodworking. Uh, there's a fair amount of it that's sort of tedious when you're just running boards over joiners and planers, and as long as you're not yep. distracted, it's kind of nice to listen to something. Um, you know. That's entertaining, and I, I completely agree. I actually yeah. I have a I have a blog post about how I enjoy sanding because put on headphones, you put the sander on. I have this little boom arm that holds the hoses out of the way, and I just sand, and it's peaceful, exactly. and it's relaxing, and <laughs> and you probably uh, so. you probably take your time over it rather than rushing through it because you're having a good time, you know. Um, but the, uh, two things to say um, is that. Uh, one is that, you know, there are times I pull the earbuds out and take the headphones off because I really need to concentrate. But um, and I'm sure it's that way for you, too. But the other thing is, I don't know if uh, any of you guys or your listeners have ever heard Adam Carolla's uh, home remodeling uh, podcast called Ace on the House. No, but, I, um, no I haven't. It's really entertaining. It's him and one of his old contractor buddies talking about carpentry and woodworking. And he's a professional comedian now, but. For 15 years, he was a contractor and a carpenter, and they just take people's call-ins and stuff. Anyway, I'm going on that show in early May um, out in Los Angeles. He's um, Nick Offerman's been on that show a lot because he's a woodworker and a funny guy. And so Nick got me a spot on the show. So if anyone wants to look up Ace on the House or Adam Carolla on iTunes, it's a free podcast. It's great. You'll really love it. And it's on Weekly. And um, uh, and you'll catch yours truly on there sometime in early May. Great, definitely check that out. I'm excited and super nervous because I'm not a professional <laughs> funny man, so I'm playing it straight, man. Well, you look good in front Do what of you us. Know. <laughs> Thanks. We, we're not... we yeah, have no video, so that's high praise. <laughs> For people who don't know what Shop Talk Live is, could you just talk briefly about what you guys are doing with the podcast and where people can yeah, find again, it to watch it sort and of, listen? Yeah, again, it's sort of that thing where it's like making more of a connection with people and letting them know that we're woodworkers and giving them some individual attention. So um, we have a, a Shop, Talk Live, Shop Talk Live Facebook page. 
Um, also, you can email where you can post questions. And also, um, I think you can just straight up email them to us. We blog about it, and I think you can put your questions right into the blog comments. Um, but uh, it's mostly questions from the audience. We just pick a pile of questions that people have thrown at us, um, and we answer them. Um, there is a video feed, too, that people can watch. So we do talk, as we're talking, we'll draw on a whiteboard a little bit or drag some props out. But you don't need the video feed to enjoy it. Um, in fact, I think it's better as a podcast. But um, also, we have some funny segments we do on there, like dumb crap we've done during the week, you know, smooth moves, we call it. And, uh, you know, because we all make stupid moves. And our favorite tool of the week and pins versus tails is like we argue with each other about something. And um, we're going to have guests on when authors are in town. We'll have them on the show. And yeah, it's, that's basically it. Okay. Well, I I have listened to the the two that have been published to iTunes so far, and you, you guys are you got a good start going. Thanks. Yeah, we're not so sure about Ed's sound effects. We may kill those, <laughs> but um, he, you know, he's giving it a try. You know, we're trying to not be too precious about it. You know, it was it was amusing as a listener having listened to them back to back to get to the second episode and hear how you guys didn't realize he was making the sound effects during the first episode. Yeah, it was like a saboteur, like a guy was sabotaging us when I heard it back. It sounded like someone had hacked in and was playing fart noises and stuff. <laughs> to, to, to move on to, um, to you and the magazine, if we could, for a minute, Asa, and then we will wrap this up because it's getting ridiculously late. Um, <laughs> But it, when you were talking to Matt, you talked about how you were hoping to use the editor's letters to connect with readers and tell the readers, you know, who you are. So yeah. I offer you our soapbox. And is there anything you'd like to share about your history and how you got started in woodworking and, and how you came to find woodworking? Wow, that's really that's really nice of you. Um, yeah, the I was... Uh, let's see, make a long story interminable, as they say. Um, <laughs> I was a, uh, a, I grew up a pretty poverty stricken, uh, that's a, uh, boy, I made it sound like uh, Les Mis <laughs> there, but um, I grew up a pretty poor kid, and so I didn't even know I could go to college, and so that was, and my grandfather had been a machinist, and so I thought, I better get a trade, you know, because I didn't think, I didn't know about financial aid, no one in my family had ever gone to college before, so um, I went to trade school for that reason, and I loved building things. I was always building like tree forts and you know all that stuff as a kid. So um, I had an I felt I kind of had a knack for it. So I went to tech school instead of high school, and I became a machinist. And that and before I went off to college, um, I worked a little bit in a shop, a real shop as well. And that in really, a real machine shop. Yeah, and that got me really. What, later on in my life, when I discovered woodworking, it was really easy. At least the power tool side of it was a piece of cake because wood is even more forgiving than metal. And a lot of the milling, the physics of milling and how it all works, and this is really getting boring, but uh, they, uh, it's, it's real similar. So it was a real easy jump for me to woodworking. And woodworking is so much cooler, you know, um, be, in the it's sense that... we keep that, telling ourselves. Yeah, it is because cool. you can make all the furniture in your house... I mean, I suppose you could weld it all, but I'm happier in my wood bed than a welded bed. But, um, uh, you know, you can make all the furniture in your house. I don't need to sell you guys, but wood is widely available and you can, you can, the, the tools are more affordable than machinist tools and it's just more accessible and more fun and I think more artistic. And 
So it was an easy jump later on. So then the short story is I was an engineering major for when I did discover financial aid and that I could actually find a way to get to college. I was an engineering major for a while and then got sick of doing math problems all day and became an English major and a journalism major. And then I ended up working in newspapers. And that led me to, um, while I was there, I developed a woodworking hobby and that led me to Woodshop News. You guys ever see Woodshop News? It's a little... It's a little tabloid magazine for pro woodworking shops, and it's run out of Connecticut. And that was my first woodworking journalism job after I came from newspapers. So that got me into woodworking journalism, such, you know, the tiny little field that it is. And then I really, my woodworking went on overdrive because I was in the thick of it, you know. And that led me to know, you know, I was already a fine woodworking, woodworking subscriber. So when I found out there was a job opening, uh, I will not, um, uh, I'm man enough to admit that I shed a couple tears when I got the job. When I got the call that I got the job, that was an emotional moment for me. It was just sort of like, not to get too uh, heavy, but it was like everything in my life, you know, the machinist, the engineering, the English major, the journalism, my 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 passion, the hobby I had as a passion, all coming together in this like perfect dream job for me. And I have to say, it's been exactly what I thought it would be. It's 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 the greatest job I'll ever have, no doubt. That's great. Yeah, that is fantastic. I think that's what we all want. That's fantastic. Yeah, love what love you know. Find something you love to do, and and you know that's corny, but you'll never work another day in your life. It it's it's hard to get there, but if you can, it's it's really cool. I mean, a lot of days obviously are still tedious, and work is work, but sure, it's a pretty great job. You we touched on this a bit before. But with uh, with the magazine making an effort to connect personalities with readers and um, doing events like this and having editors go out and teach on the road and attend shows, um, where can people find out about where the editors are are attending shows? I th- did you mention there's a blog about it? Yeah, there's a blog. I think it's called Fine Woodworking on the Road. Or uh, I, I'm I, I'm sounding like a real idiot here because I can't call up the website <laughs> right now, but. Um, it's something like Fine Woodworking on the Road or Fine Woodworking Near You, and it's a constantly running list of all our most frequent contributors and the editors and where they're going to be. While I try to pull that up, can I put you further on the spot and ask if anyone is going to the Northwest Northeast Woodworkers Association show this weekend? Um, I don't think we, <laughs> I don't think we are. I don't think we are. I wish I could say, yeah, we'll all be there. <laughs> there'll be tw- you know all ten of us, but no, um, I don't think that's. In the cards, no. though, there may be something. Sometimes the the staff editors at the magazine are doing stuff I don't know about, believe it or not. So there there might be, but I haven't heard. Where is that going to be at? It's uh, it's in Saratoga Springs. Oh, you know, um, we have gone to that a lot in the yeah, past. Yeah, last, last year I this. saw uh, Anatole there. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, but not sure about this time, but um, that's the type of thing we're trying to get out to as much as possible. Right, right. Um, and finally, to talk, or I say finally, Chris, you may have a thousand more questions we'll get to when I'm done. But oh, man. My I last question. We're not boring all the listeners. <laughs> I, I, it's, uh, but anyway, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm here when, for when it. You were talking about your career. You, you made a comment about boring. But I, at least for me, and I think I speak for many listeners, this kind of, you know, essentially inside baseball talk, it's, it's interesting to, to many of us. Right. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, and I, you know, as a journalist, you know, you're always taught to that you're not the story, you know. And so 
it's it's been a transition for me to sort of re- recognize that people want to know um, and that and it's fine with me because I luckily for me I have nothing to hide I really love this craft and I love my job and and I don't have any skeletons in the closet so um, it's it's fine so it, it's been fine but it, it was just a it's a weird thing for a journalist um, because normally you're taught that like I said the the to shine the light on other people absolutely right. no I. Uh... I have some of that journalism in my college experience, also. So, <laughs> this is not this is not what they teach you. You're smart. I, if if you're not working as a journalist now, that you're a very smart man because uh, <laughs> it's tough to find a job these days. The industry has changed so much. We're lucky to be in a passionate little niche like we are. Oh, absolutely. I can I can clearly see that. Uh, you know, where I am now in commercial construction, we a lot of our our customers are large media companies and seeing what's going on with them is just in terms of what they're buying for their own buildings. I can see it from my end. I know that it's, uh, the industry is, is changing and it's not quite what it was, but thankfully oh. it, we are in a nice little niche that hopefully keeps you guys and the other magazines going, giving us the content we want. So yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I think so. There's, they're not minting new woodworkers as much as our group, as the woodworkers are aging, that's something maybe we could talk about. We'll have me on for another show, and we'll talk about that big challenge. That, you know, that young trying to get young people to come into this craft is is a uh, we're we're up against it. But you know, it's happening in small numbers. But it's a little bit scary for twenty, thirty years down the line. I, I agree. I mean, we would we would love to have you on to talk about that again because I mean that's that's one of the topics that you know between all of us you know we we've talked about many times and and yep. you know it, it's it's trying to promote and bring uh, bring the next generation and stuff on because unfortunately you know you you go to a lot of these 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 woodworking shows especially the more traditional conference types and. Uh, you know the 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 young crowd you don't see a whole lot there so which is unfortunate you know and it's it's important to try to spread that and bring more people into it it's, it's a vital. graying it's, it's a graying crowd for sure and right. by the way i love them because it, the yeah. great thing is woodworkers and guys of a certain generation um i'm i'm 45 but uh guys who are about 20 years older than me they're just a great generation um one great thing about them is they're on time and they're polite <laughs> and uh and there's a real solidness about that generation i love those guys i i meet them at like for instance at colonial williamsburg it's so funny that it's 8 30 in the morning when you can get in to get breakfast and at 8 15 there's like half the <laughs> attendees are all outside in the cold standing there on time you know they've all gotten up at about four in the morning so uh no but it's it's great, but it but it is a little bit scary for the for the future. But you know, you look at young people, and even when they do get their first house and everything, they probably haven't had a shop class. Right. Um, there's and shop classes are disappearing. They, their dad might not have even been a woodworker or know how to turn a wrench, and yeah. um, they don't work on their own cars like we did growing up. They don't none of that stuff. So. Um, you know, a lot of it is that factory work. A lot of those trade schools and stuff existed to supply factory, skilled factory work, but that's gone overseas. So it's a really big, uh, big, big challenge. I think, I, if I'm being honest, I think that uh, woodworking will always be here with us and be vibrant, but it may indeed get a little bit smaller than it once was, sort of maybe at its heyday in the 
late 70s or something. Right. I, I, I would agree. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak from personal experience and having watched it wane and ebb over many years. I'm, you know, not, uh, I'm not 65 myself. But yeah. um, there, there's definitely, what I, w- at least from where I see, is that the people who need to know it for you know, trade school reasons and for factory work and things like that, they're becoming few and far between. And it's moving more towards people like Chris and I who do it because we like it, not because we have to do it. And that's, that's great for us. But in terms of the raw number of people who know how to do it and help the craft move forward, I have to yeah. believe that it is shrinking. Yeah, and even the amount of hobbyists, I mean, we're 80% hobbyists at least, uh, maybe more, who read the magazine. Um, that's our lifeblood, and uh, even that group is is aging. But what's really great, is uh, another great thing about the Internet, is it's allowing the reach, uh, you know, people to get a taste. So they're not getting shop classes, but they might discover you guys, or they might discover um, my our Getting Started in Woodworking series, or or Make Magazine, or whatever it is. Something else, steampunk, you know, something else that might turn them on to just, wow, I can make stuff. I can, I can do this. You know, it, I don't have to live in a completely virtual world. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and well, in terms of that, that uh, to get back to that virtual world for a minute, though, and talk about the future of magazine distribution, um, you and Matt, I know I'm steering off topic a little or off to the side a little bit here, but you and Matt had talked about the beauty of reading through the PDFs on an iPad or another tablet. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that they do look great on the screen, but at least for myself, the process of putting them, you know, downloading the PDF, putting it on the tablet, it personally, if I'm going to go through that effort, I'm probably just going to print it so I can draw all over it and bend it and do things I can't do with the tablet. It's a, um, I hear you. It's an imperfect but, solution for sure. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, is there anything you know, on the drawing board or coming down the pike that's going to, you know, a, a true online subscription where on a tablet or a computer we can, we can you know, watch the magazine? I know that you guys have an online version on the web, which is, I'm assuming it's Flash-based, but it's just clicking on a page and watching it move on the screen and I've tried it on the tablet and it's, it's much less than ideal to read it in that format. On the I tablet. totally, I totally agree. There is no perfect, what in my perfect world, every single person out there in our, in our readership, and it's an older readership in a lot of cases would own a tablet and be willing to pay for an enhanced fine woodworking where everything would be chunked up to be perfect on the tablet with a, perfect interface and all in many of the photos you could touch them and set them into motion they become video clips and, and drawings become animations I mean that's like the holy grail thing I dream I wake up and think about in the middle of the night that's what I want but that's the perfect world where everyone owns those tablets and and uh, we can get enough people to pay for that special edition because it's not what we're doing in print. It's not exactly what we're doing on the web. It's something else. So right. I, we're, we are, we are going to get there, but right now the whole publishing industry is like in flux trying to figure out what the next thing's going to be. It may not be the tablet. It may be flexible e-paper that you roll up and put in your backpack. You know, we don't really know exactly what it's going to be. It's shifting so quickly. It's this weird moving target and it's, 
and it's going to be really expensive to make that perfect publication. And it's just impossible to make the finances work right now. So we're sort of in between. But I can tell you one really cool thing we're going to start doing. Um, we're going to start using, um, you know what QPR codes are? QR codes? QR. Sorry, QR codes. Right, yeah. Right. That yes, I sound I do. really techy and intelligent right there. Maybe <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting late. It's getting late. Um, uh, QR codes. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, you guys know what they are. I mean, they're we, the we use them. Take, yeah, you take a picture with your smartphone, right. and it's basically a web link, and it brings up um, uh, whatever you want it to bring up, any kind right. of a web address or a video or a manufacturer website or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're going to start using those in the magazine to set pictures into motion. So when we send editors out to do articles. They're also going to shoot short video clips where right. motion would be better than a still picture. Mm -hmm. So then your smartphone becomes your magazine companion and you one single click with your camera and it brings up, it sets that picture that you're looking at into motion on your smartphone. So um, we are trying to do things um, with available technology. You're going to see that roll out in the very next issue. Uh, actually, the there's one on the way to the to the newsstand right now. The one after that, um, you're going to see us start to roll that out. Um, I we'll, probably should tell that to the competition, but, um, <laughs> but you know uh, they don't listen to us. They don't. Yeah, <laughs> good. Well, uh, people have said that. You know, uh, I was just arguing with my boss about this today. You know, people don't use QR codes, and I think a lot of the reason they don't is it's usually manufacturers trying to get you to go to Kellogg's.com and learn more about cornflakes. Right. But for us. I think when people are really trying to soak in how understand a process in the magazine and be able to take it out to their shop and do it, I think they're really going to love these this way of using QR codes um, to set their pictures in motion and get a better understanding of exactly what's happening in that photo. I just just to, to interject there for one second in defense of QR codes, uh, I would just let your editor know or your your boss know that. In my pocket, I have two different business cards, each with a QR code on them, and I have a giant QR code on the back of the shirt I'm wearing right now, and they are relevant uh, in, in many ways and all the different things they can be used for to link to specific sites, overall websites, contact data. Um, they're going to play a big role in, in the, the distribution of information in the future. Yeah, so, so I, you, 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 I'm glad, I'm glad uh, that you're on that side, and, and uh, I'm... And I'm excited about them too. It's a new tool. We're always looking for every new tool uh, we can do. But yeah, that perfect digital um, issue is still out there. But we're going to make it happen. I promise you. If if it's the last thing I do at Find Woodworking, <laughs> yeah. even if you settle for something that's not that perfect one, because the, the one that's that's completely optimized and has links to videos and and more in depth stories, I agree that would be a, a you know a fantastic uh, product. That would require, you know, a lot of investment and a lot of cost associated with it. But even if in the interim, you, we could just essentially take the current magazine yeah. format and put it on the tablet. I understand that wouldn't take advantage of all the things the tablet has to offer, but yeah. just that would add a little bit of, of portability and convenience um, yeah. that well, I unfortunately tell, is not there now. Yeah, I should tell you that that very thing is in the works. That exact yeah. thing... The thing we have up now as a digital reader, as a digital edition, is sort of a stopgap. But that that exact thing you're describing, um, a version of Fine Woodworking magazine that is optimized for the tablet, is absolutely in the works. Um, 
so that's coming down the pike. And like you said, that's more attainable than the fully featured thing I was describing. I mean, a guy's got a dream, though. Oh, absolutely. Right. Someday I'm going to finish my shop. <laughs> yes. I don't know. It's the penultimate. It's always the <laughs> second to the left. <laughs> well, all right. How about this? Someday I'm going to finish insulating the wall. There you go. <laughs> Just keep building stuff. Don't. The thing that bugs me is when I see people trying to perfect their hand tool set or perfect their shop. Uh. And and they feel paralyzed until they have achieved nirvana. And in the and you don't you know as you guys know, you can build it all with just portable power tools and right. carpentry tools. Basically, you can build a ton of stuff. So I hope no one out there lets that stop them. Be, always be building. No, no absolutely, I, I agree with you on that. And I'm I'm guilty of being a tool collector, but that's certainly never stopped me from doing a project. It's just an excuse to buy another tool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, unfortunately, what I did was in October, we had a cold snap, and I decided it was time to insulate the shop. And I pushed yes. everything against the wall, and I started insulating. And it remains against the wall. Ah, well, that's really critical. I, I think that if your shop's not comfortable and well-lit, you won't spend as much time out there. And um, you'll just find yourself subconsciously, your lizard brain will be avoiding going out yeah. into that freezing cold shop and putting on the Carhartt just to... Uh, Try to work with cold chisels, you know. Uh, absolutely, Matt Kenny's constantly tweeting about how oh, you know it's always fifty degrees in the shop. I can go work now. Yeah, I just shake my head. It's like no, you can't. It's fifty degrees. Yeah. I guess, uh, but I'm, no, I'm spoiled yeah. here in Atlanta. I mean, it it take literally. I've got just a little electric heater, and no matter how cold it is, I can turn that electric heater on, and in ten minutes, it's warm enough. Now the summer's different story when it's yes. 100, 100 degrees outside. So. Yeah, well, I'm you. hoping when I'm done, Chris, that I can just heat my shop with a candle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, I'm uh, gonna have to. I'm gonna have to come on again because it's really fun talking yeah. with you guys, and I'm sure we could go off. We could keep um, going. So yeah, we, we need to wrap it up. A lot yeah. of cool things to talk about. My my head spinning about like what we could talk about next time: the state of the craft and where it's headed, or just you guys could line up a bunch of questions or. Uh, however you want to go. I'll come on any old time. I'm happy to. That'd be great. Well, I appreciate that, Asa. Maybe next time we'll try to do it so it's not midnight when we finish. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I I appreciate your coming on and, and sharing everything with us. And um, could you let people know where they can find you in the magazine and find Woodworking Live and all that great contact info you need to spread out? Yeah, well, uh, Fine Woodworking's on newsstands near you, and finewoodworking.com is kind of the hub for all things Find Woodworking. Um, if you know beginners out there, send them to startwoodworking.com. That's our free site with three seasons of free video series for people just getting started. And there's uh, go on iTunes to find Shop Talk Live, our new podcast. Um, go to findwoodworkinglive.com um, or findwoodworking or fwwlive.com to uh, for the new for the brand new spanking brand spanking new first ever inaugural Find Woodworking event. Um, and people can always email me directly. I'm going to do the same thing here that I did on Matt's, <laughs> which is a Christiana at taunton.com is my email address. And you can email me directly. I want to hear from people. I never mind that at all. So, um, no, and I, I will contest that you do reply to emails. You're great about yes, it. Yes, I do. I, I, you know, we, we can, we can get a little bit isolated from the people out there who are actually consuming the content. So, um, and we're always trying to improve. That's the main thing. Uh, we're always trying to get better. And that's what doing this conference is all about. It's a whole new way to reach out and, and engage and, uh, with, our, with, with the woodworkers out there. 
I hope it's going to be a great time. I look forward to it. Me too. I hope you guys are both there. Chris? Uh, (laughs) I'm working on it. All right, all right. Chris will actually end up probably being there longer than I am, unfortunately, but I will be there for a couple days. I I definitely want to come, so that's definitely one I've got to work in. Yeah, well, tell your friends anyway. I will, definitely. (laughs) Um, So, again, thank you for joining us, Asa. And uh, on behalf of Modern Woodworks Association and Penultimate Woodshop, I'm Diami Plotke, and my wonderful co-host has been Chris Adkins. I'm with High Rock Woodworking. And uh, until we come up with a great catchphrase, just everybody keep on the interwebs and in your workshops, and we'll talk to everyone soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys.